So here's the second um, compassionate challenge that we have to have that really hits home for a lot of us as believers, especially a lot of us in that little bit older sect, because again, remember, I've got kids from my kids' church in here. And, um, and this is a hard one because we get stuck on this a lot. And this is the challenge. Compassion realizes that every human is your neighbor. Here's the deal. It is really easy for us as believers to judge those who are different than us. And that difference can be that they're Muslim, that difference can be that they are gay, that difference can be whatever other thing you want to see or do or say. And you know what? Compassion says that you are my neighbor regardless of what you believe, where you live, what color your skin is, any of those things, compassion trumps all of that. Because when you show the nature and the love of God to somebody, does that not want to draw them towards you and hear more about it? That's how it works. And so when we as believers are not compassionate to those that are hurting, those that are suffering, those that have suffered injustice, then we should not stand before our God and feel like we're going to be said to, well done, good and faithful servant. Because our job is to reflect and to show his grace and mercy to everyone. And we have people who are afraid like, oh my gosh, if I show compassion to that person, then my neighbors might think that um, I'm part of the, you know, of Islam. Or if I show compassion to that person, my church body might think that I support gay and lesbian rights and gay marriage and that I would have baked the cake. You know, all of those silly, crazy things. But compassion says, my neighbor is gay. My neighbor is black. My neighbor is you name it, you fill it in, and that is my neighbor. And that means that is our person to love and our person to serve. In the story of the Good Samaritan, we see that um, the Samaritan was the unwanted person who came in and helped the guy. And you know what? I think Jesus was very specific in not saying that this guy was any particular thing because we can fill in that person who was injured with any number of type of person or issue that we need to address. And so sad that the two guys who represented God could not understand that that was their neighbor. So then challenge number three for compassion is that Compassion bears the burden. Galatians 6, 2 is one of the shortest verses, and this is what it says. Bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. Compassion boils down to, it is your responsibility and my responsibility. Guess what? It is not BCA's responsibility to solve all of the social ills of Albuquerque. Just like it is not the, the um, new mayor, Tim Keller. It is not his job to solve all the social ills of Albuquerque. It is us. It is all of us. In the story of the Good Samaritan, we see that that Good Samaritan freaking packed up the dead guy, or potentially dead guy, on his donkey, took him to the hotel, paid the owner of the hotel for a room, paid the owner of the hotel money to be able to take care of his needs, of his issues, for his medical care, and said, when I come back through, anything else that he needs, let me know, and I'm going to pay the bill. And that's really what it is, is it's up to us to pay the bill. And sometimes the bill is time. A lot of times, 
the bill is money. And we are afraid or we don't want to or we've got this or that. But the fact of the matter is that compassion is part of bearing the burden. And that is what we are called to do is that we need to bear the burden and not think that it's somebody else's responsibility. One of the things that we're doing with our social media is we've been doing tons of stuff about this campaign. Our goal is to raise a million dollars. So, and I think we're going to hit it. Like, I know I don't have a million dollars in the bank. In fact, I don't have close to a million dollars in the bank. I'm at about 1% of that, but, you know, it's okay. We're getting there. Um, and here's the deal is that our social media guy, Jaden, who's actually right here, um, had put up this, this post that says, because we've got all this stuff on Facebook, um, liking equals one more kid or one child still in slavery. And we got all of these like Facebook messages, oh, you, you didn't say that right. You, you forgot that it equals no more children in slavery or something like that. They're trying to change it up. And Jaden's like, no, that is absolutely not what we're saying because guess what? Liking means nothing. Now, it makes me happy to see when you've liked my post because then I go, yes, they like me. They really, really like me. But um, what that really comes down to is that liking is inaction. And it's so easy for us to hit that like button and go, we've done our Christian duty. We liked the Dream Center's posts. We're so good. I, in fact, I'm going to be extra Christian and I'm going to share that puppy. And maybe some other people can give because they'll be called to give. Here's the deal. You're called to give. It is up to us because we are called to bear the burden. That is who and that is what we are. In fact, when I think about miracles today, how many of you have seen miracles? Anybody? I've seen some miracles. Let me tell you, the latest, greatest, coolest miracle was we had at the end of last year, a huge, what I would consider a huge financial miracle. It was $35,000 that was given to us. Would you guys agree that's a miracle? I would so say that's a miracle. I've never even held that much money before. And I was holding on to that check like, oh my gosh, we've got to get to the bank. <laughs> what if it doesn't, what if it bounces? Well, anyways, that was a huge miracle. Do you know how that miracle happened? It happened because somebody chose to bear the burden and not be apathetic about something. They had heard of what we were trying to do. They felt God had compelled them to do that. And so they went and they were willing to bear the burden. Now, the fourth challenge to compassion is that compassion is a catalyst for restoration. Compassion is a catalyst for restoration. It is really easy to walk by the semi-dead guy on the side of the road because of the involvement that it takes to do something with that. You know, restoration takes a long time and a long investment. And you don't even know if they're going to come out that great on the other side. However, this is how God moves. This is how God does things, is he does them through his people. When you hear the voice of God and you hear God calling you and, and pushing you to one event or one sort of um, topic or something like that, and that Holy Spirit is driving you in that direction, he's driving you to bring restoration because that's what God does. He wants to restore those that are broken and those that are lost and those that are hurt and those that have suffered so much because that's the kind of God that he is. He's a God of restoration. And when you show compassion, then you get to be the catalyst. You are a piece of that restoration, that piece of restorative power in the kingdom of God that he can use. 
And that is a huge responsibility because you're personally responsible, but it's also a huge blessing. It's a huge blessing. So this is what we are trying to do in Albuquerque as the Dream Center. Um, we've, I've been working with human trafficking victims since 2011. So that puts me at seven years now. And so I've worked with a whole lot over those years and I've learned a whole lot. And within that, it's only been in this last probably 18 months that not only me, but most of the other people who are working with human trafficking victims in our state have come to realize that there is a huge gap in what we are offering. And what that gap is, is to anybody who is under the age of 18. Now, here's the deal. In New Mexico, currently, there are six beds and aftercare services for human trafficking victims in Santa Fe. In Albuquerque, my program has four beds. In Harris, there's another program that you guys are familiar with here at BCA that has three beds. So when you add all of that, we've got a whole 13 beds to serve human trafficking victims in the state of New Mexico. Pat us on the back. Well, as you look at all of those beds, zero of those beds are for minors of trafficking. Zero, not one. There is not one social service agency or ministry in Albuquerque whose goal and whose mission is to serve kids who have been trafficked. But these are the things we know. We know that 95% of all trafficking victims are recruited into the sex industry between 12 and 14 years old. We know that throwaway kids that get kicked out by their parents or runaway kids, life at home is too intolerable. Out of that population, those kids, 55% of them will end up being trafficked. In fact, within that, when they run away and they're out on the streets, the chances of them being approached by a trafficker is within 48 hours of them being out on the street. 48 hours. One in five of them will end up doing survival sex because they don't know how to pay the bills. They can't pay the bills. In fact, the way that CYFD works in Albuquerque um, is that if you're a minor, you can't get food stamps. If you're over 18, you can get food stamps, but you're a kid, you can't qualify. So you've run away, you're in a terrible situation. You can't get food to eat. You can't check yourself into a hotel or a motel, even if you wanted to. And let's say you go to one of the three, excuse me, two youth shelters and go to check yourself in so you have a safe place to stay. Yeah, bad news there. Your parents or CYFD have to check you in. So there is no way for you to get the services and access the things that you need. We've done this to our children. We have put them into the jaws of traffickers because we have not taken seriously the needs of this population. And this is what Dream Center is doing is we are saying no more. We cannot look away and say it is okay for a runaway or a throwaway child to be in a situation where they have to choose food or clothing or shelter or having sex with that creepy old guy over there. We don't want to do that. We think it's wrong to put kids in that kind of situation. So we're doing two things. And those two things are a drop-in center that's open overnight so kids who are out on the streets have someplace safe to go. We are not going to call it a shelter and we're not gonna license it like a shelter because then I have to do all those CYFD rules that create barriers. 
I want to have a safe, no barrier place for these kids to come. And then the second thing is that we need to create some transitional living programs for these kids to be able to be safe, to recover, to remember how to be a kid again, to be able to grow into the person that God has called them to be. And so I want to introduce you now to um, an amazing 15-year-old girl who put her trafficker away for 25 years. Hi. Very happy to be here today. Um, I actually just got baptized today, so it's been a very important day today. Um, I've come a long way from where I was. I grew up in an abusive home. I had a dear friend who was with me through all of that. She's here today, and I love her. So she was the only person who was there for me through a long time. And she couldn't do anything because she was a teen herself. Um, I was 13 years old when it started. I was sold into sex trafficking. I'd have sex with men for shelter, for food. Not even, it wasn't even that many clothes. I was wearing a skirt and a bra to do things that I didn't want to do. And I was forced to do these things. I was terrified to leave the house. I was manipulated and scared. Even if he was 20 miles away, I'd still be scared to even touch a door. I watched him beat a woman in front of me. And there wasn't just me. There's multiple girls that go through it every day. He even had other girls with me. And, you know, it... It hurts a lot because I had nowhere to go. My mother is a heroin addict. And I was in and out of the system. And then nobody would listen to me when I did share my story. And when I did share my story, nobody believed me because that doesn't happen in our society. It doesn't happen. So now I am getting my GED. I am going to college. I've come a long way. Okay, I am getting a job, I'm doing everything, and that is all because Shelly has helped me. And trust me, there's been barriers, okay? And so if the drop-in center would have been there, those barriers would have been a lot less harder. It's been hard to just find my birth certificate. We're still waiting on our social security <laughs> card. So, and these things, there, there's some states that offer health care to children who are homeless. Here in the state of New Mexico, there's none of that. I was raised here in New Mexico. I absolutely hate New Mexico so much that every time I run away, I have to leave the state, okay? And, you know, last time I spoke, I asked these people, all of you have been down central, haven't you? All of you have seen a woman or a transsexual or a person who has barely any clothes on, looks like they've been starving for days, probably got dirt on their feet. None of you have stopped, have you? None of you have asked them, do you need a jacket? Do you need a meal? Can I stop and get you a dollar, dollar meal from McDonald's? Do you need some condoms? Can, do you need me to call somebody for you? Because that's what they need. Half of them, most of them, I've met plenty of other girls like me, started when they were my age. And it wasn't because they had a choice. Shoot, my mother gave me no choice. I didn't have a father till I was 12, and I still don't even talk to him. So therefore, I've created the family that I have today with help, but I don't know. All I ask is, one, you help with Shelly here because it helps me and it helps all the other girls that are in this program. 
and other girls and other teens that are being trafficked today who can't get help and who can't seek, seek help themselves because they're so scared. I was terrified. So my only thing is, is also to help Shelly, but also when you see somebody walking on the street, when they have barely any clothes on, when they look like they need some help or a shower, help you offer it, please. That's all I have to ask. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Mariah. She's amazing. So here's the thing with Mariah, um, is that Mariah falls within all four of these compassion challenges that I talk about. Here's the deal. We were not ready as Dream, Dream Center to take on a minor victim, but guess what? How many beds are there for minors in our state? Zero. How many specialized services? Zero. So I really felt like God was saying, Shelly, here you are, you talk about this. Are you willing to freaking put some skin in the game? And that's what we needed to do. And so we said, yeah. So we jumped through a bunch of hoops. We've got her and we're able to work with her in our program. It's inconvenient. There's a burden. She costs a lot of money. I mean, there's all of those things that we talked about within this. But you know what? She got baptized today. God is a God of restoration. He is doing things. Her, um, her, the police officer, the law enforcement officer that um, you know, introduced her to me, talked to me the other day when we were um, supporting another 15-year-old victim of sex trafficking um, in court, in Metro Court on Friday. And, um, and he said, you know, this is the first time I've talked with Mariah where she's like, I don't know, like relaxed, like it's okay. And that's because of what God can do when we choose to reject apathy, walk in compassion. So it's time to put some skin in the game. Um, We are seeking $12 donations. And so we would love for you to do that. You've got cards on your seat that have some information about that. You can go to our website, nmdreamcenter.org to give. We um, are desperately in need of a million dollars, just say it one more time in case you know somebody who can write a check like that. Um, But honestly, this is between you and God because maybe this isn't the journey that God's got you on, but I can guarantee this. He's got you on a journey. Be faithful. Be faithful to it. Don't be apathetic. Um, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to turn it over to David. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that you are gracious and you are merciful and you are a God of justice and of love. And Father, I just pray over the things that we talked about tonight, Father, the things that were said. And for those, Lord, that you are moving into new avenues, that you are opening up new doors, Lord, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them the grace and the mercy that they need, the strength they need to go on. We thank you, Father, that you have allowed us to walk this path at this time and this place in history. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.